Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is a beautiful sunny Sunday afternoon where I am and I hope it is wherever you are as well. Now that most Australians are starting to get vaccinated and we're starting to see some of the important safety measures be relaxed a little bit, people are able to get around a bit more able to interact a bit more, things starting to get back to some level of normality, if you can call the kind of systems we had in place before normal, that's where we're headed towards. We're starting to get there. So now we're going to start to talk more about some of the other issues that are impacting our democracy, our politics and our economy, both in the weekend wrap and the week on Wednesday. If you haven't listened to this week's week on Wednesday, do check it out. Van has come home for a brief period and is currently in the other room. So I'm going to keep this a short episode of the weekend wrap so we can spend just a few more hours together before she has to return to see her mother in Sydney once again. So let's dive into it. Of course, this week, some huge news stories, probably the most important, if I can put it that way, in terms of domestic politics, is Gladys at ICAC. What huge revelations we've seen. Basically, Gladys Berejiklian and her secret relationship with Daryl Maguire, there are tape after tape after tape of them having these conversations, which just seem to be earth shattering to most normal people. Yet, when you listen to the information that's coming out, really they're talking about what a whole part of the political class really thinks about the kind of transparency and accountability measures that are in place to protect us, ordinary everyday people, from corruption and abuses. You know, at one point, she just says that Don Perrottet does what he's told and will put $140 million in the budget for a project that Daryl Maguire wants. Completely unhappy with that, he basically says it's supposed to be $170 million. You know, confronted with evidence that there's text messages between uh, herself, Gladys Berejiklian, and Daryl Maguire about them being family. She, she made this sort of weird reference to him not being family, but part of her love circle, which conjures up all kinds of weird and unusual arrangements, potentially. And she even goes so far as to tell Daryl Maguire that his associates are dodgy. You know, this is some of the most damning evidence because fundamentally the act requires that ministers report, and this is a quote, any matter where there is a reasonable suspicion that corrupt conduct has occurred or may occur. And really that's what this whole ICAC hearing is about. And that's why Gladys resigned, fundamentally, is there is a question mark over whether or not she has breached this section of the Act, where there is a positive, a positive requirement on ministers to report any matter where there is a reasonable suspicion that corrupt conduct has occurred or may occur. And when you start to look at the evidence piling up in New South Wales ICAC and the conversations that they're having, there's a real sense that she's conscious that these are dodgy people that he's involved with. She says things like, I don't need to know that. You know, he says to her that he's withholding information from her so that she is not aware of specifics. But that in itself is enough, you know. And I have to say, one of the things that struck me too 
was that there's a whole range of other things on here that are really just terrible behaviour for ministers and MPs to be involved in. At one point when he's talking about how much this is bad luck on his part and all the rest of it, he literally says the words that he must have killed a black cat and 10 Chinamen and walked under ladders. She makes no attempt to pull him up on this. This is really awful language and goes to a kind of neo-colonial mindset, you know, to, to, to talk like that without any kind of... <laughs> any kind of just being pulled up. Like Gladys Berejiklian is the premier of New South Wales and Darren Maguire is essentially making colonial era racist slurs, doesn't pull him up on it. Of course, she doesn't pull him up on a whole range of things, doesn't pull him up on his dodgy mates, doesn't pull him up on his conspiracy to kind of sack a bunch of public servants. They kind of engage in this discussion. It's a really bizarre and and telling expose into the mindset of the most powerful person in New South Wales, her love circle friend. And really, this is someone who the AFR, don't forget, said was equally the most powerful person in Australia. Now, Liberals just can't wrap their heads around this, right? Like, Liberal MP Jason Falinski has called ICAC Star Chamber, Kangaroo Court, crowdsourced McCarthyism all rolled into one. They just cannot wrap their heads around the idea that governments are accountable to the people and that corrupt behavior includes hiding corrupt behavior. You can't just allow government officials, whether they're the Premier, or the person who opens the mail to hide corrupt behavior. You know, there's millions of dollars here that is available. At one point, he's talking about some multi-million dollar transaction and she gives evidence to ICAC going, I wasn't really listening. I can't imagine my partner telling me they're going to have some multi-million dollar windfall and me not click onto that. Can you imagine that? Can you in your own life think of a time where your partner whether they're in your family or just part of your broader love circle, would say to you, oh, I'm about to get a million dollars, two million dollars, whatever, millions of dollars, and just not be listening. Like, I get that Darren Maguire is the kind of guy you want to tune out most of the time. But then again, he's not in my love circle, and he's probably not in yours either. Meanwhile, in Victoria... Tim Smith, the great and glorious Tim Smith, all sorts of awful things are said about Tim Smith, none of which we endorse here at the week on Wednesday. But Tim, uh, sorry, Tim Smith got drunk and crashed his car uh, this weekend. He managed to be more than twice the legal limit, and he crashed his car into another vehicle, then into a fence. Now. Tim Smith has said that he was at dinner with friends and he thought he would be under the legal limit. Tim Smith is recorded as blowing 0.131. The legal limit in Victoria, for those of you who are in a different state, is 0.05. Not only is he more than twice the legal limit, he's almost three times the legal limit. He's pushing that three times barrier pretty hard. For those who don't remember, the the simple trick is always been two drinks in the first hour and no more than one drink every hour thereafter. 
I'm not sure what kind of dinner party Tim Smith was at where he managed to push so close to three times the legal limit, nor am I conscious of Tim Smith's own sense of himself that he thought it would be okay to get in the car and that he would be under the legal limit. But at least he has had the dignity to resign from Shadow Cabinet and from the front bench of the opposition here in Victoria. Tim Smith, of course, has been a very vocal opponent of the Andrews government. Many, many appearances in the Murdoch press, many, many attacks on Dan Andrews, many, many, uh, how do I put this, pontifications from Tim Smith about the virtues or lack thereof of the Andrews government. And of course, Tim Smith, who was almost three times the legal limit, has managed to drink drive himself out of shadow cabinet. He hasn't resigned from his parliamentary seat and we don't expect that he will, although it would be a certain level of justice for him to do so. He has lost his license for the next 12 months. So we can all expect Tim Smith to be putting in quite a few taxi claims, one would imagine, towards the public purse. And frankly, I hope they get rejected. I hope that if you've lost your license for drink driving as an MP, that you're not actually able to claim taxis and other forms of transport. I think it should come out of his own pocket. And we all know Tim Smith has deep, deep pockets as it is. And frankly, he should be paying his own way, given he actually put people's lives at risk. He hit another vehicle. He went through a fence. At another time, that could have cost someone their life. And I think it's a small price for him to have to pay for his own taxis to get to and from the office. The other big, big news, of course, both in Australia and around the world, is COP26. This is the climate conference. And we've now discovered that Morrison has taken Angus Taylor with him really to promote Australia as a great place to invest in fossil fuels. This is so frustrating for so many of us. You know, the Australian unions, the Australian Conservation Foundation, the World Wildlife Fund, the Business Council of Australia, they had Accenture do some modelling on how many jobs could be created and how much trade could be generated for Australia through focusing on clean exports, renewable energy, the things that we need to get to net zero emissions. And they found 395,000 new jobs and $89 billion in new trade opportunities were there on the table ready for us to pick up between now and 2030. And yet Morrison has gone to the COP to promote, and I quote, Australia as a safe and reliable destination to invest in gas, hydrogen, and new new energy technologies. Now, why has he done that? Well, because Australia is already in the top two for gas exports around the world. And frankly, we don't tax them in the same way that somewhere like Qatar, our number one competitor in gas, uh, taxes them. We also don't get that revenue to then invest in renewable technology, which is what Qatar is doing with some of that money. And of course, it means that the capacity to think ahead to move to those 395,000 new jobs just isn't there. You know, we talk on this show and we talk on the week on Wednesday about why you need to join your union. Well, let me put it to you like this. Australian Unions has done a body of work 
to map out where new jobs are going to be, how Australia's prosperity is going to be created into the future. Joining Australian unions means you're part of that future prosperity, prosperity now and into the future. Australianunions.org.au slash wow is how you join your union. They're doing that work. They're doing it with business. They're doing it with environment groups. They're doing it with proper Accenture models. Angus Taylor went on Insiders and refused to talk about the cost of their pamphlet. Sorry, their plan. Their new plan based on existing policies. Refuses to think about what it will cost beyond 2030. Now, they've put aside $20 billion to get to 2030. To put that into perspective... That's half the amount that was given to profitable companies. These are the profitable companies with the JobKeeper program. Half the amount. That's how much Morrison and Angus Taylor are prepared to put into getting us towards net zero by 2030. Beyond that, he said governments don't plan beyond four years, which is a lie. It's a total, utter lie. His government, the Morrison government, has already committed us to a huge multi-decade nuclear submarine program, which frankly is well, well off into the future. We're talking well into the 2040s, 2050s, 2060s for this program. And other governments around the world are viewing climate change as a multi-generational issue. When you think about the transition out of coal that's occurred in somewhere like Germany, where there was planning done decades and decades in advance, and work was done over the course of many decades. Now, yes, technically, the government today cannot enforce the government of tomorrow to do anything. But the point is to plan. The point is you want to talk to the Australian people and bring us together as a nation so that it doesn't actually matter who's in government. We're all committed to a strategy of getting to net zero. That should be the aim. That should be the aim of the Morrison government. That should be the aim of Angus Taylor. That should be the aim of every government. Instead, what we see constantly is the politicking of the Morrison government. You know, even in the last 24 hours, Matthias Cormann, who had fought tooth and nail, was finance minister when they scrapped the price on carbon in Australia, who's now the head of the OECD, has called for a price on carbon in Australia. Now, putting aside the hypocrisy and the frustration that we all feel to have this man who had such power, who slagged out Labor's price on carbon, who attacked every attempt to put a price back on carbon again, having him come out and say there should be one, yes, it's frustrating. But we should put that frustration to one side for a moment because Barnaby Joyce is also attacking him. Barnaby Joyce is also calling him hysterical and having become European and all these sorts of pseudo-soft insults that are designed to make us discredit Matthias Coleman. Now, Matthias Coleman may be have been a political opportunist. He may still be being politically opportunist. But the reality is we do need a price on carbon. We do need to get to net zero. And 
the liberal fixation and fascination on using climate as a political weapon, as a political tool, as opposed to dealing with the fundamental structural issues that drive high emissions, that damage our air quality, our water quality, our way of life, create more severe weather events, create more bushfires, create more droughts, create worse floods. This is what we actually have to deal with. Not whether this person's a hypocrite or that person's a hypocrite. As tempting as it is to get into that, the reality is the Morrison government's not prepared to deal with these issues. They have a pamphlet, not a plan. They've only put aside $20 billion, half what they put aside and spent on profitable corporations with JobKeeper. And they've totally ignored the good work done by unions, by business, by environment groups, by economic modelers on how we can get to net zero and build our economy. Why have they done all that? Well, because they think if they say they've got a plan enough times and don't actually do anything, then that'll be enough. That'll be enough to get them over the line. That'll be enough to suck us all into a fight about detail that most people won't ever listen to. Instead, they'll go, you know what? Morrison's got a plan and it doesn't cost any jobs and it's relatively cheap. That sounds pretty good. When the reality is, it's not a real plan. It's a pamphlet. So look, that's the weekend wrap for this week. It's going to be an interesting week going forward as, of course, Morrison is in Glasgow for COP26. Victoria will be hosting the, the Melbourne Cup, the race that stops the nation. And of course, we continue to open up post-COVID. I will be sad when Van goes home tomorrow. When I say home, I mean home to Sydney, not home here with me. Uh, but she will be with her mum, uh, her second home, if you like. But hopefully we will have the week on Wednesday remotely once again this week. Don't forget to like, subscribe, uh, share, comment. Uh, we have got over a 1,000 downloads a day in the month of October, and it's all thanks to people like you listening today and every Wednesday for the week on Wednesday. So be kind to yourself and to each other.